You're listening to the Texian Review, a podcast with ideas as big as Texas. I'm Kate. And I'm Lindsay. And thanks for listening in. One of the backbones of Texas and Texas history is ranching. Cattle drives in Texas predate the United States of America. And after the Civil War, when the Confederacy was destroyed, the abundance of cattle is what saved the Texas economy. When I think of ranching, I think of hardworking ranchers up before the crack of dawn on horseback and longhorn cattle. Carrie McCann epitomized what it was like to be a rancher, a gentleman, and a true Texan. He was a Yale graduate, historian, U.S. Marine officer, and a fifth-generation cowboy and rancher. And today, I have his grandson, Augie McCann, here to talk with me about a couple of Carrie's books, Brandy Polaris and the Republic of the Sierra. So thanks so much for being here with us today. Uh, my pleasure. And Lindsay is also here today because we both picked a book and we split it up. And so she read Republic of the Sierra and I read Brandy Polaris. So yeah, we have covered our bases, everyone. So Augie, what was it like growing up on the ranch? Uh, well, I mean, I don't really have any other... You know, that's how I grew up, so I don't have much to uh, compare it to. What was your, okay, <laughs> okay, so what was your, like, day-to-day life like? Uh, you know, it was, I never really had summers off uh, to begin with, you know what I mean? Like, during, uh, well, I probably started around second grade. You know, I was always working whenever we had time off, whether it was spring break or summer or whatever it was. So I, I didn't have a whole lot of time, you know, away from work. You know, I didn't get like playful, like butterfly, birds and bees right. summers or anything like that, <laughs> which, which is a, which is fine with me. You know, I thought it was fine. I didn't no problem with it, but yeah. So I guess it was just uh, a lot of working, but uh, a lot of learning, a lot of stuff that you know. I think it took other kids a lot longer to learn just because they didn't get the exposure to being around older people or being around uh, you know that type of lifestyle. So yeah, I learned a lot of stuff just doing that for sure. So what is your favorite memory of your grandfather <laughs> well I feel like that's kind of a hard question <laughs> yeah yeah I mean there were a lot of them but I I, just, I do know that one thing that he was pretty well known for was getting vehicles stuck oh uh, yeah she'd love to uh love to destroy vehicles so, <laughs> so, so <laughs> I, I know one time I my uncle uncle Joe was telling me about one time when they were uh, they were hunting down at uh in McFadden and he said that there was a basically a pond a stock tank that was maybe like 20 by 30 foot wide or something like that and it would kind of dried up so it almost looked like you could drive across it Mm -hmm. but I mean in reality you couldn't and then he was he got out there and he was like pointing him towards one place or the other of where to drive the truck where they were out there quail hunting and everything and he pointed him towards this big dry spot he was like yeah, it's fine. You can come over here. This is a perfect space to, to drive the truck across. And he said he saw him, and he, when he saw him, he put it in drive and floored it and drove right into the stock tank. <laughs> <Duh>. <laughs> and, then, and then there they were for, you know, like the rest seven or eight hours after that. Oh, <laughs> so, no. so, But he he loved that, though. You know, I, I think he probably liked that more than hunting, to be honest with you. It was kind of a r- weird, like, <laughs> fetish of his. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's very funny. Yeah. I don't think I ever saw Carrie without him being dressed absolutely to the nines with, yeah. and always yeah. had a cigar. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that's one memory that I don't have is him without a cigar. That That's that is, fair. Yeah. My mm-hmm. entire life. Never saw him without a cigar. <laughs> <laughs> that's one thing I've noticed about, um, especially, you know, families that have been here for generations. There's just 
such a, a unique character to them. Like you walk away and you have just this vivid impression um, where a lot of people who live in cities, we all start kind of looking like each other or talking the same or doing the same thing. But there's a real uniqueness to living in the country and having to work hard. You also play hard, probably harder than most of us in the city do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, it's definitely, and you know, I like living in the city too. I like both, but uh, they they do have their different charms about them for sure. But uh, yeah, yeah, he was a pretty unique dude. Uh, that's yeah, I think that's putting it lightly. He liked I, he liked his tweed and the cigars. Yeah. He did. Yeah, and whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember when I was little. I think that's. I think he's the reason why my mom had to explain to me like what a cigar was, because <laughs> I was always asking questions about you know what is that in his hand. <laughs> why does it smell so good yeah, yeah exactly yeah actually I'll, I'll tell you one one thing that i do remember about and this is <laughs> the memory that i have is we would always we would weigh cattle uh be weighing cattle usually like early summer late spring and uh, you know it would be uh, late june somewhere in there and it, it would be you know 110 heat index or whatever but uh, like you said he always wore a suit so he would be out there and we'd be weighing these cattle and he'd be in like a three-piece tweed suit and drinking coffee, and it was like 110 degrees outside. Oh and I remember, I remember looking up, and uh, he was he had his uh, white papers, which is like carbon paper, like real thin, you know. And he'd just be sweat all over the papers, oh like, and just be complete sweat. <laughs> and then all the ink would be like running and stuff, and the paper would just be soft, you know, like. And it would work. And I remember I was like, Grandpa, why don't you drink any water? He said, Son, drinking water is for the weak. <laughs> and, then, and then, yeah, so uh, that was, that's probably my favorite, favorite memory. <laughs> I love that. That's yeah. such a, I don't know. That's how I imagine a cowboy to be. Yeah. Drinking waters for the week. Smoking cigarettes yes. is for the week. You go with a cigar. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then drinking cocktails or for the week, you just go straight whiskey. It's yeah. like we talked about on yeah. that one episode, ranch water. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, yeah, he definitely liked that, but I just thought that was a, the strangest thing to have those papers just covered in sweat like that, you know, and just keep on about it like nothing's nothing's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and shaking, always shaking too. <laughs> so, do you know what made him decide to, to write these books? Because they're they're fiction novels. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was he was a his history was his thing. I mean, if if in another life he was probably a history professor somewhere. I mean, he just loved history, mm. loved history, and he could tell you all kind of strange facts about just world history in general. But I, I think he had probably been like thinking about writing books for a long time. And I mean, he he loves books. He they've got a big library at the house and everything, and he's got every different book under the sun in there. So I mean, he, literature was always like his thing you know he really loved literature and then of course loved texas and everything too so you know i'm actually surprised that he didn't start that he started writing so late you know as much as he loved books and everything well he had, he had so much going on he had so much more uh, to do before he got there yeah oh yeah true i guess he did do a lot of stuff between the you know the marine corps and then yale and and everything else you know they they went around <laughs> he was around <laughs> yeah that's one of the things that blew me away when kate was telling me more about him the fact that he went to Yale. He was so educated, but he also chose this family life of ranching, and they're both noble in their own regard. And 
serving in the Marines, it sounds like he did it all. How do you fit that much in a life? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. He definitely had been around quite a bit and it was, you know, I I guess it is kind of surprising that he decided to come back and and run the ranch a little bit, but, you know, uh, growing up, working out there and, you know, you form kind of a special connection to it. I mean, you definitely want to see it, even if you don't want to work there your whole life, you know, everybody, everybody in our family, at least that goes out there has a special connection, wants to make sure that the whole thing, you know, continues operating like it has been. And, you know, we keep on doing what we've been doing for the last 120 years, you know? So yeah, in some regards, it's surprising that he come back, but in some other regards, not really. So, so the book Brindy Polaris is it's about driving cattle from Texas to the Montana stockyards yeah. in like the late 1800s. So your family actually dates back to driving ca- cattle at that time, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure my great grandfather went on the trail at least once, and then uh, my great just one time great grandfather might have gone on on at one time but yeah uh, we definitely had family members that took took the trail up there more than one time yeah that's incredible yeah. i started reading this book and if guys you've listened to this podcast so far at this point and you know that maybe maybe kate doesn't know a thing about ranching or cows but it is so <laughs> fast paced and it's fascinating like i started reading and before i knew it i was it was like 10 pages 20 pages and i'm still in the process of reading it but it is so good and it, you learn so much and like augie said you can definitely tell that carrie loved history because it's so it's such a huge part of these books don't you think uh well i wish i had been able to read that one in fact when you're done i probably will it sounds fascinating i to get mean, behind I my to... parents because my parents want to read it now too oh okay yeah, i've peddled <laughs> well so i actually have a couple of questions not having the benefit of reading it yet I mean how long would it take to run one of these cattle trails um and then if he if your uh, ancestors did it once how, what is the average for a cattleman at that time to have done it once or multiple times um, what do you know about all that uh you know I don't know exactly how long it took him back then but mm-hmm. I know for sure it was at least a four to five month process if not maybe an entire year to get everything wow. up there just depending on how many cattle they had and everything because mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of the times they'd be driving it at least a thousand head of cattle up there and then I'm sure that they would probably lose a couple hundred on the way you know it wasn't, a, wasn't an easy thing <laughs> but uh, yeah and I, I think a, a lot of those guys back in the day they they would go back and forth but I think for for a young man at the time it was kind of how he cut his teeth you oh, know he, if you write a passage yeah if you yeah. went up at one time you know and I think the guys that did it a lot of times were extraordinary individuals, you know, because it's pretty tough. But, yeah, I think there were some guys that uh, that just, you know, did it all the time. Just like today, there's cowboys that just go and day work on ranches and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. Well, they also talk about how – because I don't know. I feel like because I read parts of this book and then I went and I researched and it's – it is history. Like he used so yeah. much of history in these books. So they're not super, super fictional because you can learn so much. And I can't imagine driving these cattle while also having to deal with, you know, Native Americans. Like, I mean, they hit <laughs> with their, it's like, oh, and then we had to deal with the Apaches and the Comanches. Comanches. Mm-hmm. And yeah. oh my gosh, I, I, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, the funny thing is you always hear, or, at least I always, everybody always says, oh man, I was born a hundred years too late or whatever. You hear people say that all the time, but I'm yeah. like, man, I don't think he really wanted to be born. <laughs> and all that stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, so one of the things 
when we talk about cattle drives like this, that pops into my mind. A while ago, I read um, J. Frank Doby and some of his oh, yeah. legends and lore. Mm -hmm. And there are many that have to do with cattle drives, maybe seeing a ghost uh, that yeah. would spook a herd or something like that, um, causing a stampede. Are there any legends that come down in your family, whether or not it's a cattle drive or just from being out on the land? Uh, you know, not exactly, but you know, the Cowboys always talk about seeing strange stuff out there because, you know, there was so much history, you know, just in and of around the entire thing on all the ranches. Yeah. It's not none in particular, but as far as like, uh, old graveyards and, you know, there's trees that the old Cowboys say, you know, that was an old hanging tree right there and stuff like that. There's, there's a bunch of that, but nothing in particular. But uh, And then, I mean, you always have to wonder how much somebody was drinking, too, whenever they tell you that kind of <laughs> stuff. So, you know, that could be a factor as well. That's fair. That's yeah. absolutely fair. But, yeah, I mean, there, it's out there, though. I mean, yeah, everybody always talks about seeing, you know, a yeah. lone rider way off in the distance mm -hmm. or something, you know, right before daylight, dawn, you know. yeah. It's, Much it's like sailors, you know, after a while, yeah. just staying up, watching things, you kind of see things. Yeah, probably. Yeah, well, with the guys that were going on those long trail drives and everything, I mean, they would, you know, those guys just wouldn't sleep sometimes, you well, know, and you were just basically connected to the cattle to the point where, like, you didn't, you slept about as much as a cow does, which is, you know, it doesn't need that much sleep, you know, <laughs> an hour or two or something, and then you just got to go. But I don't know if it was all that bad because you didn't really have any choice. You know, if you have a choice in the matter, sometimes it makes it a little different, difficult, but yeah. you know, like that, you're just like, well, whatever, and it's time to go again. So yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, this is such a hearty life. A lot of them probably did it because they just had to, like, there's no choice. Yeah. Yeah. You and do or die. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And there, I mean, that there's something to be said for that too. It's, it's not, it's being in time with all the animals and everything. You know, like you kind of forget your own time and you don't really have a choice, you know? I think the the choice is where a lot of the suffering comes from because you're like, ah, oh, well, I don't really want to, but again, but in this case, it's like you're just gonna get left behind. So, so on y'all's ranch in McFadden, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you guys have polo matches. Yeah. That's pretty neat. So you have a whole herd of polo horses. Is that a specific thing? Uh, right. But they call it a remuda instead of a herd. But oh. Yes, yeah, so okay. we have a remuda, but uh, I, guys, I told you I don't know anything about this stuff, but I'm learning, and it's great. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So I, we, we've been breeding polo horses since basically since the 80s, I guess. And we we I mean, we've sold them all over the world, basically. But uh, we kind of target uh, we've we've sold some pro horses. Uh, a lot of our stuff is appendix, which is like half quarter horse and half thoroughbred. So it's not quite as fiery as just a straight thoroughbred is like a lot of these pros and stuff use in the you know professional matches and whatnot. But you know, we have had straight thoroughbreds, and my grandpa liked loved straight thoroughbred horses, which I can't stand them, <laughs> but, but he loved them. <laughs> Are they a little wild? What's what's the, uh, what's the? I mean, not really wild, just kind of difficult to control sometimes. Just love to run. Bred temperamental, for a lot, maybe. Temperamental. Mm. Bred for a lot more speed than brain. Oh. Uh, ah. But, uh, you know, they serve their purpose. That's pretty neat. I also read that, guys, I've done a lot of reading, because, again, I'm trying to educate myself. Mm. I read that... Your grandfather and his dad came up with the perfect breed of cattle for South Texas. Yeah, basically. And they started doing that in the around, well, my great grandfather did the 20s, early 30s around that time. But yeah, it's basically, and it's it not done just work in South Texas. I mean, we've sold these cattle all over the nation, but it's, uh, you know, it, it's a cross between a Hereford and a Brahma. 
and it's got a little bit more Hereford than most of, most of the cattle you'll see down here will be a half and half. Sometimes you'll see a half Hereford, half Brahma, but these have a little bit more Hereford and a little bit less Brahma, so it makes the meat a little bit better. But uh, the whole reason for having the Brahma blood in there is just insect resistance, basically, and heat resistance. So it uh, they still get the you know positive characteristics of that, but they have a uh, you know really good meat yield and everything like a Hereford does. So yeah, and we've been breeding those cattle for the last you know, almost, you know, at least 50, 60 years now. So we've basically developed our own, you know, breed, like you said, and, uh, yeah, sold them all over the place and they, they do great, you know, East, West, Florida, Arizona, you know, they do awesome everywhere, but for our coastal prairie area, I mean, you can't really have a, a better type performing type of cattle period, really. That's so neat. You never think about that side of ranching. You know, I always, there's so much more to it than what I, I what they show on TV and in the Westerns, you know, because that's, that's where I, that's where yeah. I know everything. Well, from. that was very enlightening to pick up what you were just saying there that the Brahma, its best feature, I guess, is insect, um, right. being not repellent, but I guess. Resistance. Resistant. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, from, as an outsider, I'd always assumed, okay, maybe they all have, you know, different qualities of meat or mm-hmm. whatnot, but I hadn't thought from a defensive side for our environment and terrain there's things that we need to make sure that we resist such as the insects versus someone in ohio with your happy little mm-hmm. cows up there you don't have to worry about that as much right. yeah. yeah yeah no it's pretty harsh down here and that's that's where that kicks in but well i read uh the republic of the sierra and that really taps into his um interest in history and this real uh goes into a what if history if texas had not become a state of the united states of america and instead had taken its own route and becoming a becoming a republic so it was really fascinating i love what if histories and i'm kind of a history geek so i'm really glad i picked this one too too. (laughs) um and it does seem a little more politically based and military history based so um if you're looking for more of a social history you probably won't find that as much but if you love military history or political history this is a really interesting read and i find it very um informed of him and just he's so knowledgeable to be able to put words in the mouth of some of these greats and the founding fathers of Texas, Houston, and whatnot. I mean, that was very bold of him to do so, but it's with such uh, confidence that he portrays this what-if history. Yeah, well, I mean, he definitely knew the ups and downs of Texas history in general, like, but also it's, it's international history. I mean, the guy was just a was encyclopedia on everything. He would just throw these crazy random facts out about, you know, just the random Russian oil company in 78 or something. Mm-hmm. It was just the strangest things. But, uh, yeah, I honestly think that the, the Republic of the Sierras was probably kind of his masterpiece okay. or what he really wanted to to do the whole thing just because it mixes so much history and everything. Well, and I would say as a student of history and I've read a lot on Texas since moving here. So a lot of it wasn't unfamiliar, but he did incorporate a lot of external things. I mean, from the get go, he's talking about how Houston visited the East coast to really get a gauge on how Texas did stand in becoming a state. And so that really gives it a lot of credibility to his what if position by taking in those outside elements, not just looking at Texas um, and its own little silo. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, so he definitely had the knowledge to to build in whatever. And maybe, maybe you know, that was actually his dream was to have Texas be like that. <laughs> probably <laughs> is what I'm guessing. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess we all kind of want you know. You, yeah. you can do. I don't s- think he yeah. was alone in thinking that Texans yeah. do. We we do love our state. Yeah, you yeah. know. 
Yeah, I think more than a lot of people love their states. I think, Absolutely. I think sometimes Absolutely. they get a little bit jealous. I think it's an entirely <laughs> different kind of love. I, pe- yeah. I feel like people enjoy and like living in South Dakota. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Texans love Texas, and it's something that's kind of in our blood that we love Texas. Sorry, Lindsay, you love Texas from an outsider from point an of view. From an outsider point of view. But I would say I've lived in various states all across the nation. The only state that I've lived in that seems to come close where there's a state pride is Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of that is based around Ohio State as oh, well. Okay, but yeah. there is also state pride in and of itself. But yeah, yeah many other states don't have anything yeah. that comes close to the yeah. the pride that exists here. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people are jealous of that sometimes too, because they're like, Oh, they you know, you're be. from Texas. You're like, <laughs> Oh, you Texas is better than everybody. And I'm like, no, not exactly, man. If you were from North Dakota, you know, I'd be proud to be from North Dakota, but mm-hmm. the fact is I'm not. So you know? <laughs> I've been judged for my Texas license plate. It's yeah. happened. <laughs> oh yeah. It ha- I think it happens in Colorado a lot. That's <laughs> pro- prob- yes. probably so. Yeah. So, okay. We talked about the cows on the ranch. We've talked about yeah. horses on the ranch. What else is there on the ranch? You talked about there's a, there was a school, there's a church yeah 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 well there's the there was an old school and then there's yeah the church there was a cafe post office i mean there's all kind of little historical doodads out there but uh, yeah the cafe is not operating right now unfortunately they're trying to figure it fixed up and back reinstated and stuff which which would be great because back a long time ago it was like a dance hall and a mercantile and they had all kind of oh, stuff wow. there and you know, it'd be cool to, to see that again. I mean, the, the thing is just as old as Schrader Hall. You know, it's just, it's an old, old dance hall out there. It's, it's pretty, so pretty cool. cool. Schrader is great, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the exact same thing. You know, I think That's it'd be so great. Cool. But uh, yeah, there's so there's the mercantile there. And then there's the old post office that they redid a few years ago. And then there's uh, the old school is not there anymore. They, they knocked it down. But the, and then the church, which like I said, I got baptized in, and then the, yeah, in the school, I think my dad went there till he was like first, second grade or something like that, and uh, I'm pretty sure he drove the school bus when he was a little bit older <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> but yeah, and then other than that, I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff. There's an old blacksmith shop out there in the town, and I mean, there's a lot, a ton of really cool history out there. Yeah, That's so cool. Y'all actually have roots, real roots. Yeah, and y'all are yeah. y'all are a part of the soil. <laughs> it's so neat. Yeah. So uh, some other ranchers I've met out my way toward Beeville, um, they've actually talked about how their ranches they may not be as um, successful with cattle um, or farming. They've turned to a lot of conservation. Um, and I noticed that on your website, you guys do have some conservation efforts. Would you mind telling us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah. I mean, we're, uh, you know, we're open to any avenue that we can make things work better, you know, whatever, and then more conservation stuff. Or, are you refer, you're referring to more of the wildlife management yes. side of things? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, we actively manage all of our wildlife populations, you know, tip top, use all of sur- aerial survey, you know, anything else to make sure that we're taking care of the land as best we can. I mean, it, it all gets pretty technical. Like, like you were saying earlier, I think a lot of people just think it's, you know, moving cattle around and doing this stuff. But, but for instance, the genetics on the cattle, mm-hmm. the genetics on the deer, this, all this stuff gets really, really thick, <laughs> you know, it, it can be. So, but yeah, as far as the wildlife, you know, our deer, deer herd and everything else like that, quail, uh, you know, alligators, we want to make sure that the, all the land's operating at, you know, absolute best it can. You know, I think we've been doing our right job of it. Mm-hmm. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Good stewards of the land. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's ultimately the thing. If you don't take care of it, you know, it's not going to, there won't be anything left of it, you know, yeah. especially down here, it'll just grow up into a giant thicket. That's so fair. In three or four years, which once it does that, it's going to be really expensive to get it back to where you can actually utilize it or 
you know, whatever, just keeping the invasive species off and stuff like that's mm-hmm. pretty, pretty difficult. This is fascinating. As, yeah. as someone who grew up in downtown Victoria, which <laughs> if you're not from Texas, that's kind of a city. We're kind of a city. We're not a huge city. We're not Houston. But it's pretty good size. It means that I didn't ride a horse to elementary school. Um, <laughs> but it is, it's really neat. And you don't realize that there is so much behind everything on a ranch. I, you know, I, I don't think about the genetics. I don't think about all of that when I think of a ranch. And I think people are, people don't know this, right? Lindsay? <laughs> yeah, it's, no, it's just a completely different mindset. It's a completely, di- completely different lifestyle. And it's been one of the more enjoyable things that I've gotten to know since moving here and talking mm. to various ranchers. So I actually yeah. have a question for you. This yeah. might be a little <laughs> bit, uh, unexpected. Perfect. I remember one of the first mistakes I made moving to Texas. I was talking to a rancher at the Beville Country Club and he was telling me about the cattle and I asked him like, oh, how many cattle do you have? Oh, yeah. And a friend told me later, he's like, you don't ask that of ranchers because it's like asking how much money they have. And like, la da me out of state, didn't know any better. Like, is that actually kind of a prodding question? Uh, well, not cattle, but acreage, yes. Acreage, yeah, okay. Acreage is very, very <laughs> prodding. But, you know, as far as like how many cattle, I've, I don't think that's that's too bad. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, not as bad as the acreage thing. <laughs> All right. But, yeah. You're good, Lindsay. You're okay. Yeah. All right. yeah, that actually has haunted me for the last three uh, years. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe some people think it is, but I, I've always thought it's a nice alternative to how many acres you reply with how many cattle you have. Okay. You know, but... You know, maybe some other people. Maybe know, he just didn't. He was it. embarrassed to tell you that he only had like six. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's what it was. <laughs> right, so, yeah, maybe so. The real problem, he thought you were thinking like 200, but yeah. really he was like, like, well, I have Bertha and womp, Beulah womp, and yeah. that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, I get asked that question in England all the time because I love really? asking you how much stuff you have, especially, <laughs> especially, especially acreage. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's I always reply with the head count on that. Yeah. I, get, yeah. I got to give cows the cookies one time. This is, yeah, I'm, I'm green, y'all. Um, and I thought it was the coolest thing. I thought it was so exciting to get up close because they're huge. Yeah. They are very They're big very large. Yes. I thought really sound completely ignorant right now, but these yeah. are fun things. And if you aren't from Texas listening to this podcast, you should know that cows are large. Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty good sized animals. And it's nice to be able to get close to close enough to feed one a cookie too, because that doesn't happen on the ranch very often. Really? No. <laughs> How much do they weigh on average? Uh, well, I mean, our, our cattle probably weigh around a thousand pounds or, or cows. They're a car. They're, yeah. Yeah, they're a car. <laughs> yeah. 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 A thousand or 1100, but, uh, you know, they're, they're all different. You can have breeds that weigh 800. You can have breeds that weigh 1400. So I haven't, so I've gone once, but I've, there's the stockyards up in Fort Worth. Yeah. I just went a uh, day before yesterday. Really? Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of, that's very cool. Yeah. Um, and they do a, a reenactment. I guess once a year of what it would be like back in the day at the stockyards. So I think that's kind of a really neat thing to go and see. I would like to go see that. I would too. What's that? The steakhouse, the cattleman? Is that what it is up there? That sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, our brand's on the wall, and it's actually got a little snippet really? about the ranch up there, yeah. Oh, that's so <laughs> neat. Yeah it's, yeah, it's pretty neat. They have all the, I mean, old ranches in Texas have a little place up there, but yeah, amazing place, the stockyards. Yeah. <laughs> is the ranching world uh, pretty small um, where you've grown up knowing people from, say, King Ranch down in Kingsville to anywhere, other ranches, big ranches in Texas? Like, have you all had opportunities 
to really get to know each other over the years or what? Yeah. Yeah. To a certain extent. I mean, everybody kind of knows each other a little bit and then everybody kind of hung out with, you know, other kids when they were little, we're hanging out when we were kids and stuff. A lot of the people have gone on, done their own things, but uh, yeah, everybody's kind of got, everybody definitely feels a connection from it anyway. You know, if if somebody needed a favor, Mm -hmm. you know, you could ask them. And on just on that basis, I think you'd be okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, we have these books at the Texian bookstore in downtown Victoria, and they are so great. And if you are looking for some a book that is a Texas history book, but you don't want to be bored to death with a normal Texas history book, go pick up one of Carrie's books because they are so fast paced and they're fascinating. And yes, they are fictional, but so much of the fiction is based in truth and real history. So I think they're fascinating and I think you should absolutely go pick up a copy because you should know about ranching and how the literally where so many things in our modern day came from and where we come from because I think that's very important. So go pick up your copy, grab a book and snuggle up because it's December. So go grab it, sit by the fire with your ranch water or something festive okay, and, ranch water. Yeah. And, <laughs> and read or grab a cigar and some whiskey like Carrie and go. enjoy yeah. these books. And He'd like that, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming and talking about your grandfather uh, in these pleasure. books and answering a million questions on ranching to two people that know nothing. Oh, no, anytime. So thank you so much. Lindsay, thanks for hopping in. Thank I always you. appreciate you. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review and come back for our next episode, guys. And drop some comments because I want to see what you guys think. Join us next time on the Texian Review.